I'm Mark Peterson, and this is Before, During, and After, a podcast from FEMA. Disasters are devastating on multiple levels. Every year, our communities are affected by disasters which disrupt the mental health and well-being of millions of Americans. While the psychological effects of disasters on survivors and communities is well-documented, the effects on responders can be dramatic. First responders, state and local officials, FEMA and other federal agencies work tirelessly in the aftermath of natural or man-made disasters to support survivors. This work often goes on for weeks, months, and sometimes years. For FEMA, supporting our employees' mental health is critical to creating a strong and resilient workforce. On this episode, we focus on the many ways we are supporting our employees through the stresses of our work as emergency managers. Okay, so on today's episode, we're going to have what I think is a timely conversation, especially as we are marching towards hurricane season, which is often the busiest time period for FEMA employees. But honestly, you know, as I reflect over the last couple of years, hurricane season doesn't seem abnormally busy compared to what we are dealing with on really a month to month, week to week basis at FEMA with all of the variety of disasters that we're, we're seeing. So, um, but, but one of the, the challenges that we, um, uh, as FEMA employees need to overcome as we are working through those busy seasons is, is to support our own mental health. And so I'm excited to welcome Dr. Megan Corley to that discussion. Uh, FEMA's really first, uh, mental health expert on staff that is, is working hard to support our, our employees. So Megan, thanks for joining me. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me here. I think the first time I uh, became acquainted with you was during an all hands. I know you're, you're making the rounds around FEMA and uh, you joined one of our all hands meetings uh, here in, uh, in the regional office in the Chicago area, which we are here now. And uh, I was really just struck by all of the initiatives that FEMA is uh, undertaking right now to support mental health. So I'm, I'm excited to talk about that. But before we do, this position is brand new, right? Yes, it's very new. Um, so what, what brought you to FEMA? What, what, uh, how do we, how did we land with your expertise here, uh, to help us through this? Um, so during the pandemic, um, a lot of mental health professionals became extremely busy. And, um, to be quite honest, I was burnt out and what I was doing before I did evaluations, um, for the court system. And that was really tough. I liked it in the beginning but it became very draining. Um, And I had reached out uh, to a number of different recruiters looking at different things. And somebody had reached out to me wanting to know if I would build a mental health uh, unit for FEMA um, as a contractor. And so I did that for about a year. Um, I came on in February, 2021. And last year, um, July 4th, actually, I became a core Um, And that's about when we also got our medical division. Um, And so now I'm uh, the branch chief for mental health. And that's also a new uh, sort of uh, construct within FEMA, the uh, Office of the Medical. uh, What is it officially called? It's the medical division. The medical division with the chief medical officer. And and they're looking at a variety of different health aspects, both internally and externally, right? Um, Internally to FEMA. 
Um, but we also, you know, work with the broader emergency management community. Um, we want to make sure that the conditions at the deployments are safe, um, you know, for our emergency managers. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and, you know, on those deployments, I mean, we know uh, as emergency managers, as people who are charged with responding and recovering to a variety of different disaster events, that um, disasters are a shock. They're a shock to the individual and the communities. Yeah. And, um, and it's specifically a shock to um, th- those survivors' mental health. And, uh, and, and that's well-documented. But I think it's also important to note that it's, it's, a, it's a struggle at times for uh, our responders themselves. So what can you tell me about the state of mental health for practitioners, for responders uh, to these events? Sure. Um, So obviously when you're interacting with individuals who are completely devastated, who are traumatized in many cases, that's difficult even for those of us who are trained to do it. Um, You know, the thing about emergency managers is they are often kind of lumped into a broader category of first responders. I think we've all heard that term being used Um, But it's kind of a misnomer because first responders, you know, cops, fire department, uh, EMS, um, they do receive that kind of training, whereas emergency managers are right along with them, um, but they do a different set of jobs. And so there's actually almost no mental health research concerning emergency managers um, and what they do at disasters. Uh, Is there also um, a component to... um the challenges and the difference between first responders and maybe emergency managers in the fact that first responders tend to, they're, they're working through the initial impact, right? But we as FEMA and emergency managers tend to, we're there for several months right. afterwards. So it, can dur- it can go on for periods of time. Do you see or hear some of the stresses come out about that duration? Absolutely. Um, and in fact, you know, going out to those disasters, there's a big difference. You see take um, the individuals who initially show up to the EOC or the JFOs, um, you know, that initial response, as soon as the areas are cleared, as soon as survivors are found and treated and they move on to the next, the goals are really linear. Um, we, I typically don't see a lot of distress in those groups, whereas, you know, recovery efforts, like you said, can last, um, you know, six months, sometimes years those, that's a long time to be away from home, to be, um, you know, exposed to all the different things they're seeing and hearing. Mm, Absolutely. Um, And, and, you know, we talked a little bit about the fact that FEMA has established your position and then the office of the uh, chief medical officer, but talking about how the important focus that FEMA has put on mental health has, has sort of evolved over the last, maybe last couple of years. Sure. So prior to my position being created, you know, EAP was the go-to for mental health services. And it's still a benefit that everybody has. But um, individuals, when they're upset at work, they want that sort of instant um, relief from whatever anxiety they're going through. Um, And so at this point, they're able to email a confidential inbox um, and usually get a same day session with a licensed clinician. We also have, um, 
more coming for those positions. We have 11 counselors. Uh, the posting actually just got closed, I believe, last night. Um, and so each region will have its own counselor as well as the island of Puerto Rico will have their own, um, obviously. What, what are they going to be doing? Like specifically, I mean, I think uh, when we think about those regional counselors, they're going to deploy to disasters? Yes. Is that, yes. And then how will they be working in the field? Sure. So um, obviously during steady state, they're in the region. They're um, kind of responding to whatever is going on. Maybe someone passes away or there was an incident. Um, but during deployment, same thing. Um, they can go to the different disasters within that um, region and provide support for those long, stressful days, um, provide, you know, strategies and coping mechanisms um, that are sort of empirically supported throughout the field and help people kind of build that resilience um, and get through that deployment in a healthy way. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm I'm assuming every disaster is different, and and therefore the challenges that people face is different in in virtually every setting. Are you seeing trends of different um, conditions that are presenting themselves in the workforce um, when it comes to mental health? You know, I think as far as trends and conditions, it really every disaster is so unique, but just kind of putting together some anecdotal evidence, I would say expectation management is a big part of mental health. People are comforted by information. Um, but then again, too much information is also kind of a, a source of anxiety for a lot of individuals. Um, so I would say, you know, if we could do a better job about really preparing individuals, like, look, you could be gone a long time. Do you really understand what that entails? Um, both for yourself and the things back home. Um, I think that would be kind of a, a good starting point for people's mental health. And with that, what are some of the mental health conditions that you're seeing that occur at work and how can we normalize them? Sure. Um, so the one thing I, I try to point out to individuals is that just because, you know, we're the federal government or just because we're emergency managers does not mean we don't work with people um, with a mental illness. To say that something, you know, is a mental illness is not a bad thing. It's a category. That's how we get people treated. Now, that aside, um, there are certain things that have a stigma around them that people are scared of, like the word psychosis, uh, a break with reality is what that is. And that can happen to any person if they don't have, let's say, four or five days of sleep. It can happen. Um, but in conditions like bipolar disorder, um, or let's say schizophrenia, medications are usually needed to control those um, states of psychosis. And they do happen at uh, disasters. And it's nothing to be scared of. Um, it's something I think people should talk about more of kind of like what to look for um, and to know that these individuals are often not violent. They just, they need care. Um, and I think each of our personnel should kind of learn um, how that works and how to reach out to us because we also assist with those incidents. Actually, as part of your visit here, I received a, a fact sheet on all of the tremendous uh, resources that FEMA has, you know, provided the employees uh, somewhat recently. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, talk about some of the, the many things that we're doing uh, right now to address the challenge of um, improving mental health out in the field. Absolutely. Um, one of the things we are very proud of is our um, leadership and management consultation. 
um, anybody can confidentially request uh, an appointment with myself or Dr. Coughlin or Dr. Pinard, um, you know, if there are some concerns, if there are strange behaviors, strange speech, um, they can get on the phone with us. We don't take notes. We don't diagnose or anything like that, but we can generally guide them on um, possible next steps. Many times it's us assuring them that this is actually not uncommon, nothing to be concerned about, but sometimes it requires, you know, more severe actions like, hey, we should probably get an ambulance en route. Mm -hmm. um, so that's one of the things, um, aside from counseling, we also do a lot of psychoeducation, which is probably the most important part of our job is normalizing and letting people know that conditions don't have to be scary. They're quite normal. Um, and giving it to them from the horse's mouth, if you will, rather than the internet, because there's just a lot of really incorrect and outdated mental health information, especially on social media. So is that education intended both for the, maybe the supervisor or coworkers as, but maybe also for somebody who is just experiencing these conditions in, in the stressful environment? Is it for both? We have tailored, um, and customized things. It really just depends. Um, but in general, um, most of our content is available to everybody. They just have to request it. Mm, okay. Um, so uh, of the many things that you're doing, I, I know that we talked about these, uh, um, the, the regional counselors that are going to be uh, staffed to support these uh, JFOs uh, throughout the country. But um, also there's a peer-to-peer -peer connection that you're working through. Tell me about that. So the peer support program, um, we actually received this idea from ICE and Customs and Border Protection. Um, and I believe it started out in the fire service. So this is something that a lot of emergency managers are already aware of. It just may not be at their workplace. But essentially, you know, like 90% of the mental health issues can be resolved by just talking it out. You really don't need someone who's licensed. But um, some of the training that they go through um, it's best to be delivered by one of us. It's like counseling 101. You learn a lot about boundaries, ethics, all of the things that go into working with somebody who's vulnerable, um, so, you know, so that you're protected and the person you're talking to is protected. Um, and so what we did um, is myself and Dr. Coughlin, we train individuals ourselves um, based on a lot of the content that ICE uses. Um, they've had a peer support program for about 12 years now, and it's really successful. Um, and so now at this time, I believe we about have 124 peer support all spread out throughout the agency. And what makes the program really cool, at least at FEMA, is all these individuals are listed on SharePoint and you can actually filter them by um, things like language, um, our special employee groups that we have, like the veterans group, um, but also by region. So let's say you don't want to talk to somebody in your region. You can check the boxes of everyone around you and find somebody that you don't know. Yeah. And then you would just reach out directly to them and, yep. and let them know. That's, a, that's really neat. Um, you know, there seems to be a lot of resources out there. And one of them that uh, has popped up on my phone, if you will, uh, is also the, uh, an app that can support um, maybe some clarity in times of stress. Tell me about what we've done there. Absolutely. So I believe you're referring to the Headspace app? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yep. Um, so Headspace came about 
uh, right after, I think I was still a contractor, um, 2021. Um, this is a really, uh, great application. It is science-based. Um, a lot of people hear the word meditation and it kind of throws them off. Um, but really what this app does is it gets you out of your head because your thoughts are not your friends. Your brain is kind of a jerk sometimes. And so it has sleep casts, which are my personal favorite. Um, the tone, the words that these individuals are trained to use, they put your brain into a state where you fall asleep. Um, and it's not something that we get paid to kind of advertise. I wish we did. Um, but they actually have a lot of clinicians on staff to make it work. But it's a, it's a pay, um, it's a, not a free app and yet not it, to FEMA, not to FEMA. Um, but it is free for, but we've made it available yes, to our employees. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, maybe that's uh, something that, um, other organizations might want to consider those types of, uh, uh, maybe, like self-help. Yeah, yeah. self-help, um, enterprise-wide solutions that uh, people can maybe take on in their own time. Absolutely. Something like that. You know, um, the other th the other aspect of this is a, a quite a serious topic that uh, maybe we could talk about for a little bit. Um, but And it's a difficult topic to discuss, but that's um, suicide. Mm -hmm. September is Suicide Prevention Month. And I I'm, I'm curious, we know that that can come out um, or be maybe front and center in some seriously stressful situations and some that we face. So what is FEMA doing to address um, the issue of suicide? So um, the first thing that we're doing is, again, with the psychoeducation. Um, myself and the rest of our clinicians are going to make it a point to educate our workforce about this topic. One, because people don't want to talk about it. Two, there's a lot of misinformation about um, what suicide, uh, looks like, you know, the predictors, um, in reality, there are no predictors. you the research tells us you're more likely to be able to flip a coin than to predict. Um, so one of the things we try to do, especially through these consultations is let people know first rule, don't be alarmed. If someone is talking about it, that is 100% the best outcome. If they're talking about it, the research tells us that the likelihood of something bad happening drops because if individuals, um, you know, are going to do something like that, you know, if they're not going to tell anybody, if they're asking you for help, that's awesome. We also have an application for that, that we're trying to socialize. It's on all the FEMA phones, the DHS protocol, and it walks an individual through how and what questions to ask. And then it gives you a low, medium, high, and then you can make more informed choices. Um, but the truth of the matter is a lot of managers, especially at disasters, people will get stressed and they'll say things like, I just don't want to wake up tomorrow. Or, you know, I feel like I could just walk in front of traffic and then everybody sounds the alarm. And this is why, you know, there's a stigma around it. Those are death thoughts. They're pretty common, but no one talks about them. Um, and again, the fact that they are sharing that should not be cause for alarm. There are things we can do. We obviously don't want to ignore them. You know, we, we want to uh, pay a little more attention, maybe give some time off, but it doesn't necessitate a 911 call every single time. And so we found that just that information alone is providing enough comfort to our managers aren't freaking out and they're able to better deal with the situation in a healthy way. 
Yeah. Um, and some, uh, sobering thoughts there, especially, you know, as we think about, um, you know, the next several months and the potential for some really severe activity, mm -hmm. uh, that will call our workforce into, uh, into action, uh, it can be stressful. And, and it's really nice to know that there's the support of the agency behind everyone, uh, and, and just the uniqueness of being able to reach out to somebody, um, and just have these conversations is really fantastic. Thank you. Um, I, I'm just curious, you are, uh, you're here in region five, uh, which is located in Chicago now. Um, but you are all over the country. Yes. Um, tell me about some of the things that you're doing, um, on this sort of road show. Yeah, we've, I've been to so far this summer, went to Puerto Rico and we, uh, trained 17 individuals for peer support on the Island. Um, as you know, they face probably more trauma and, um, disaster related stuff than most of us can even dream about. Uh, between ongoing disaster work and right. the potential for more storms. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's important that, you know, we wanted to give them on Island resources as much as we can, because it takes forever to get there. Um, and then we went to Denton, Texas, and that was warm, very, very warm mm. a couple weeks ago. Um, but did a lot of outreach, a lot of socialization, um, trained a couple peer support individuals there too, got to see the bunker. Um, the rest of the summer um, after this will be, you know, Philadelphia, New York City, Kansas City, pretty much every region. So, so really by the end of the year, you should have socialized this roughly with the whole agency. That's, that is the goal. Yes. That's great. Yep. Um, one of the unique things about FEMA is how the workforce can at any time be called to work in a variety of different um, disaster settings. You know, we're here in Chicago, but we could easily get pulled to a hurricane response in say Florida or Texas or Louisiana. Um, and, uh, and so we can really be uh, joined with employees that we don't normally work with. Right. So if we are, if we're experiencing, you, you know, maybe some anxiety or, uh, any of the variety of mental health conditions that maybe, uh, uh, you know, come upon us, or maybe that we're seeing coworkers, What's the first step that we should do? That is a great question. Um, always a good question is, hey, how are you doing today? And see what they give you. Um, I think there's a lot of assumptions that are made. Um, we tend to attribute behaviors um, based on our own experiences. So, for example, if you're feeling stressed, you know, maybe you assume they're stressed. Maybe not. Maybe their work is fine. Maybe something's going on you know, that they don't want to talk about. So I think by asking those open-ended questions, meet them halfway, see what they give you. Um, and then, you know, respect those boundaries because I think sometimes, uh, in an effort to be caring towards each other, we, we tend to slip boundaries and we tend to try to, you know, mother people, um, or kind of overstep things. So it's always best, whatever they give you, you know, that's an invitation to either go further or back off. Okay. So for, for anyone who is looking for additional resources, um, where can they look? So obviously for our FEMA employees, EAP can be reached at 1-800-222-0364. And then for the rest of the emergency management community, anybody at any time can dial 988. That is the nation's new mental health crisis line. Thanks for listening to this episode of Before, During, and After, a podcast from FEMA. 
If you'd like to learn more about this episode or other topics, or have ideas for future episodes, visit us at fema.gov slash podcast.